As a small business owner, I've had my share of accounting, tax, bank feed, and app issues. Some could say I'm a mess, kind of like some of your clients. But as I reflect on the last three years of my business, the one app that I've had not any problems with is OnPay. It's been set it and forget it payroll. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor OnPay later in the episode. None of that gets a high school kid interested. (laughs) What you need is accountants that are two, three years in the job and be like, look at this Lamborghini I bought. And they're sitting on the hood and they're streaming it on TikTok. And that will get account high school kids like, I want to be an accountant. I want a Lamborghini. Like it has like, like you can't tell them about a 40 year old that plays hockey. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Like that's not going to get somebody to become an accountant. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary. And we are live on Friday. What's top of mind for you, David? I sent out a tweet this morning. Um, I had a chance to look at the AICPA Town Hall, the January 19th one. Mm-hmm. And they had a slide in there, and it said the eight-point plan to address root causes of the pipeline issues quickly. And I tweeted out the image of that slide. I just said, like, here it is, the eight-point plan to fix the accountant pipeline issues quickly. And within three hours, there's like 12,500 views. And it's getting retweeted in this huge discussion. And I've never had a tweet where you can watch the numbers go up, you know, when it's going so fast. Yeah, so, that's right. So that's top of mind, I guess, right? Um, and then we can talk about the the article and talk about pipeline things. Um, So this discussion here on Twitter was prompted by a marketplace story, why there's a national shortage of accountants on one of my favorite radio shows on NPR, Marketplace. Can we say Marketplace is mainstream media? It's not accounting. It's not insider baseball. It's not the Cloud Accounting Podcast. This is like Main Street. Like my parents might listen to this news. I, I mean, this is like the... Five o'clock, I don't know when it comes out actually, but I always used to, when I had a commute, I would listen to it on the way home from the, from the office, right? Uh, it's the economic business news on NPR of the day. And in my mind, it's the, the, one of the best programs they have, hosted by Kai Rizdahl. And they do, a great, they do a great job. The story is, as tax season approaches, accounting firms are short on staff. And it is the, basically the same story uh, that we heard or that we saw in the Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago, where the Wall Street Journal said there's this massive shortage of accountants. Their focus was more on like corporate. Uh, this one's more on accounting firms doing taxes. And obviously, this is top of mind for the marketplace people because nobody can find somebody to do their taxes. If you're trying to find a CPA, it's impossible right And now. it's a recurring theme of our own show yeah. the last six to eight, 10 weeks. It's just, it, we can't get away from it because it keeps bubbling up and we talk about this news story. So if something keeps getting in the news, we keep talking about it. So I figured it would be fun to listen to this because it's only a two-minute story. Oh, perfect. And it features Adrian Gonzalez, the editor of Going Concern, which is a blog that we have been reading and talking about on the show for years. And it's so awesome to see her uh, or to hear her uh, featured. So let's take a listen to this. This is Marketplace. I'm Kai Rizdal. 
If you've been putting off starting your taxes because maybe you're looking for a new accountant, might we suggest you start making some calls? Accounting firms are a little shorthanded right now. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, more than 300,000 accountants and auditors have quit their jobs in the past two years. And not just tax accountants either. Firms are also short on the kinds of accountants who do financial planning and auditing of the books and all of the other stuff that accountants do. And yeah, part of that's the pandemic, but accounting's got a pipeline problem and maybe a branding problem, too. Marketplace's Savannah Marr has more. So far this tax season, PricewaterhouseCoopers has enough accountants to keep up. But Rod Adams, head of talent acquisition, says finding them was harder than ever. It's a concern. It's absolutely a concern. Even for a massive company with lots of recruitment resources, smaller accounting firms like Mandy Irwin's in Chico, California, are having to turn away business. Last year, we did have to let go of about 200 clients because we haven't been able to find the staff. And the shortage of all kinds of accountants isn't likely to get resolved soon. Ben Lansford, an accounting professor at Rice University, says graduating students who might have pursued accounting a decade ago are going into investment banking, data analysis, and consulting. Those jobs pay more and also don't require the fifth year of college education. That's needed to get a CPA license. Plus, those other professions are seen as more prestigious and more fun. It's kind of a PR problem. Adrian Gonzalez edits the accounting blog Going Concern. There is that huge stereotype about how boring accounting is. If the industry wants to compete, she says it needs to raise salaries and work on its reputation. Nobody thinks about the accountants. They think about the accountants on April 15th when taxes are due. But there's this whole network that is, you know, the engine of the economy. An engine that without the spark of a new generation of accountants could start to break down. I'm Savannah Marr for Marketplace. So... There you have it. I guess the next version of the story is going to be one of these reporters is going to get fired by their firm. And that's going to be the real eye part, just like I did, right? That's going to really open up the experience, right? So this reignited the discussion among you and me and on Twitter about what do we do? How do we actually solve this crisis? There were some ideas in that story that we just heard. Make accounting uh, more interesting uh, the salaries are too low compared to other business type degrees you can get. Data analytics is a great example of one. You can go get a data analytics degree or certificate and you can get hired into an accounting firm and you don't have to go get your CPA. The fifth year is mentioned in there. I believe the fifth year is a humongous uh, disadvantage that the CPA path has right now because who wants to go get an extra year of education and pay for that? And then... Um, you know, make less money than somebody who got a four-year degree. It just doesn't compute. Uh, and so I reached out to the AICPA and I asked them once again if somebody would come on the program. And I don't know if our listeners realize this, but I have asked for months. I have been working with their PR people. I've been reaching out. I've been saying, hey, can we get somebody on the program to talk about the talent pipeline problem? Uh, and the response to it. I feel like you've been it. begging them for years. Let's just be like, <laughs> like, like, like you've been begging people from the ICBA to come on the podcast because it, and it, it's not so much like trying to be fair and balanced. It's more of just there's a conversation happening here and we yeah. want them to be part of it. Yeah. And, and our listeners have, we've actually had some feedback from our listeners that says, hey, you guys are not balanced enough. You need to have 
other sides. You can't just, you know, rag on the ASCPA. And I hear that. And so I want to be more balanced, but they won't come on the program. We offered to have somebody, anybody from the ASCPA come on today, and they did not offer anyone. They didn't provide anyone. They said they're all too busy. And um, so uh, what we did get from the ASCPA is a clip. They pointed us to one of the ASCPA town halls and said, watch this. This is our plan. Let me play that a bit. Uh, and I should offer some context first. So, David, there's this eight-part plan in the tweet that you, you tweeted out the screenshot, right? Sue Coffey, uh, who leads public accounting at the ASCPA, um, highlighted part one of the plan, which is, uh, I think, the one they're, they're most bullish on, which is to switch the fifth year from being in class to being in a firm. So, let me well, pull well, well, before you get into all like the, the eight points yeah. or, or kind of go through these, set an even bigger context. So this was part of the AICPA's town hall, town hall series, and it's actually decent. Like I've, I, I usually tune in and I'll listen to it after the fact. They, they distribute it as a podcast after the fact, but it's usually decent. But this slide was given ten minutes. She went from I think the forty-one minute mark to the fifty-one minute mark, and so this slide, which I see, and and you can read all eight things if you want off this, Blake, but I'm see. Wow, this could be a three-hour town hall just on this slide and the pipeline problem. Right. And immediately, it's like, we don't have time to talk about this. We'll just talk about point one. So I, do you want to read all eight at a uh, high level and then jump into the more details of the point? Well, I mean, I don't know if I want to spend a ton of time on all eight because we, we only have so much time on this program. And <laughs> the other seven really like don't stand out to me as doing anything. They're more like PR, like like, for example explaining how the 30 hours works is one of the points, like coming up with a communication plan or like so there's some very vague stuff on there, David. What are some of the other plan- points on the plan? I mean, I mean, at, at some level, like first it was like, hey, this is not just our industry, right? It's things that are happening to everybody out there. So it's like declining birth rates, immigration policy, as, uh, fewer students are going to the university system, right? And then the whole rising cost of the education. Yeah, well, that's, and then kind of, that, they always make sure when they talk about this to cite all the stuff that's out of their control. Yes, yes. It was framed that way, out of our control, right? right. And then they're talking about the perception of type of work, hours, compensation. They're acknowledging that that, that is a thing. Yeah. And then that younger generation has like more options and choices of a career in general, right? And- so it's it's interesting they kind of talk about their focus, how they want to uh, do things that are quick impact, positive awareness, flexibility, fill the gaps, right? And they're try- their, their goal is to reduce risk. And it wasn't really clear, and we can get into that. I don't know if you're going to play a clip. I'm going to play a the, clip. So I, Later I wanna, on, they talk about the risk, yeah. Okay, so I want to play a clip, Sue Coffey talking about point one, which is the one she decided to highlight on this town hall at minute 41, and this is what ASCPA sent us. So this is the official response from the ASCPA to our questions because they wouldn't provide somebody for our program. So here we go. The way it would work is that students would graduate from college with a bachelor's degree and they'd immediately join a firm as a first year associate, not as an intern. And what they do for the course of a year for which they would receive 30 credit hours of education granted by a university is they would work flexible hours in accordance with the firm's policy, but the firm would give them time to take online courses and study, and there would be competencies assess- competency assessments. We're currently curating, I would 
I would call it a menu of courses that firms have told us they're interested in. So, of course, some of them are technical, but candidly, most of them are um, around leadership, um, verbal communication, written communication, um, business development business development, data analytics. So those um, skills that firms have told us when students graduate and they come to work at the firm, they don't necessarily have a lot of. And so that's how we want to solve kind of that skills gap um, issue. So um, our plan is to pilot this program in the fall of 2023. And of course, we'll learn from it and we'll modify the program and have a, a more um, broader uh, release in 2024. I think one of the things that, that that it really does, as you mentioned, the the courses that could be part of that program, it really allows the firm owner or managers to work with that young staff person, really get the skill sets that they all are saying they don't get when they're in college, right? That they aren't getting when they're first coming out of school, those soft skills, the leadership skills. And those are the things that I think are exciting about the profession to begin with. So um, I, I think it's a great plan. Yeah. That, that's right, Carl. And, and there were really three principles. So the plan, point number one, the, the number one of the eight-part plan is instead of students going to a master's in their fifth year and doing classroom work, they would join a firm. They would be employed by the firm, I suppose. They would, they would actually be employed. I'm not sure how that kind of it's works. Not, yeah, it's not paid it, internship. It's like a real job. Right. But so you probably have to be expected how, to actually work. And then they're going to take a master's program, a one-year master's while they're employed. So how does this, like, and how does the university get paid? Like, is the student still paying the university? Because I, I'm just t I'm just stepping back and looking at this from the perspective of I'm an accounting student or a prospective accounting student. Uh, how does this improve the financial impact for me? Because even if I'm employed by the firm, the firm's not going to pay me to take classes at the university. So I'm paying to take the classes while I'm working at the firm. So now, like that doesn't help with the workload. And, and that's one of the big complaints. Like one of the reasons that people don't go into accounting, the number one is, well, it's, it's pretty simple. It's long hours and low pay. And then the cost of the fifth year education. So I, I don't see how this solves it. Yeah, the part I got hung up on is they found out says they aren't getting these skills out of college. And to me, I hear that. I'm like, well, then what's the point of making them go to even more classes if they're not getting the skills they need? So it, fixing this 30 hour, extra 30 hours and having like just get better classes in the, the undergraduate programs. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, you, could, you can teach everything that somebody needs to know to be a CPA in four years very easily. You don't need the fifth year. The fifth year was added to increase the prestige of the profession compared to like lawyers and doctors. And I mean, that's just a, an ego thing. I've, I've never met any actual like real CPAs who care about the perception of accounting as a profession versus lawyers. Like, I think we're, we're happy to have it be less burdensome. I mean, I, I wonder if this is something that only the people in the associations actually care about, that there's this prestige with the fifth year, because we know it adds no value. We, we, there's, there's zero evidence that an additional year of education makes anybody a better CPA. We didn't play this part, but they always talk about in these town halls how their biggest concern is maintaining um, the ability for 
CPAs to practice across state lines. And this is part of the problem of having 50 different, 50 plus different jurisdictions that administer the CPA or, or license CPAs is that they've all agreed on these standards of 150 hours now and blah, blah, blah. And so if, if any one state changes to go back to 120, then now those CPAs can't practice in the other 150 hour states. So the AICPA's like reason for not doing anything to change that is mainly it's too difficult. Well, they, yeah, they're, they 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 don't want to have a bunch of patchwork states and multiple licenses, and and they're trying to protect licensure ultimately mm-hmm. at the highest level. But what they're missing, and and I think they're they're missing the real risk. Like the risk isn't that happening. That's going to happen no matter what, because states like Arizona, who don't give a shit, are going to be like, we don't we are growing, our economy is growing. We need more accountants. You know what? If you come to Arizona. You only have to go to school for 120 hours, and they're going to steal talent, just like they steal jobs and they steal companies from California. States mm-hmm. like Arizona will aggressively change this, and now you, the risk you try to prevent is going to happen anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's it, a good it, point. It's going to be Arizona, Florida, Texas. One of those three states will be the first to do this. Yeah, we should get together. Arizona and Texas and Florida should get together and fix this. And then it'll drag along California and New York and Washington. Uh, maybe that's a strategy. <laughs> but the ICPA doesn't like getting political, right? So somebody else will have to do it. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. OnPay is built for accountants. And with 30 plus years of payroll experience, they can be the payroll partner you can always rely on. They offer a dashboard to manage all your clients in one place. And when I say manage, I probably should say balance that fine line between control and delegation. OnPay lets you keep 100% control, You can delegate payroll to someone at your firm or hand off payroll duties to your client. But no matter who runs payroll, OnPay always takes care of all tax payments and filings, even local filings. And with integrations with QuickBooks Online, Xero, and QuickBooks Desktop, you can use OnPay across your entire client base regardless of the accounting GL they are using. OnPay's partner program offers free payroll for your firm, discounts or a rev share, and a dedicated support team of in-house payroll experts who will do all the heavy lifting. From setting up your dashboard to adding your clients and their employees, they'll even enter any prior wages to make it easy to switch. If you're looking for a great product with great support to match, check out OnPay. To learn more about switching your clients to the award-winning OnPay Payroll and HR, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash OnPay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-N-P-A-Y. OnPay, switch to better payroll. We got a comment here in the chat from Jep, uh, 05F. When I joined the military 12 years ago, my paycheck was $2,000. When I left 10 years later for accounting, my entry-level paycheck was $1,750. I made less in real and nominal salary. Michael Alleman said, I have a master's in accountancy, and the first thing I was told when joining Price was that my education was great for theory, but was impractical for doing the work. A lovely introduction. Sigh. After you just spent all this money and time. Yeah. And Christopher says, uh, lawyers and doctors who make more money, by the way, that's in response to this idea that we need to somehow compete with them for prestige by increasing the education requirement. I've never understood that. I mean, I I would actually say it the other way. is like, we want to be the opposite of lawyers and doctors. <laughs> I'd, there's other, if people wanted to be lawyers, they would have gone to law school. There's a reason we go to, into accounting. It's because we want to actually like make a difference, make money, and not put up with all that you know legal crap. D. Hall says, 
undervaluing accounting slash finance is having a big negative impact on clients and industry. I have seen past clients incur losses at 300% the cost of the finance department. It gets worse over time. And Jennifer Johnson says, none of these details have been shared to universities as far as I know, or at least not to the university I work at. I believe there is a pilot at a school in New Jersey. So many questions from the academic side. So how is this going to quickly happen, right? If they haven't even shared details with other universities, they're doing it with one school in New Jersey, and they plan to roll that out like in the fall. I mean, this plan could take 10 years to materialize. And then my question to the ACPA is, well, how much is this actually going to make a dent in the, the accounting talent deficit? Because we saw that stat from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that over the past two years, 17% of the U.S. accounting and auditing workforce just quit and left the profession. So, I mean... It, is this going to actually make a dent in that? And then there's also just the declining trend in general. Like I have, I don't see how this makes makes any dent in the numbers. It's sort of like, you know, a drop in the bucket. So let me tell a little story of what I'm doing on Monday. I think I mentioned before, my wife is a counselor at high school and they have career day on Monday. And she asked me, hey, can you come speak at career day? And then I was like, well, what do you want me to speak about? Like being a podcaster, accounting, like what do you, well, you're not really an accountant, so maybe you're not qualified to speak for that. So fine. So they put these classes up on Monday or Tuesday. My session is called how to be a podcaster or content creator. Of all the, all the, all the professions that are speaking at career day, I had the most signups, the fastest and my session filled up. <laughs> 45 people immediately signed up. The accounting one, 15 people. Yeah. That's the, that's the reality we live in. Yeah. Now, I don't know what to do. That's the reality we're in right now. Well, you're going to do a bait and switch, David, because you're, you're <laughs> going to tell them, I actually, I'm an accounting podcaster. So now let me tell you all about the well, perks accounting. of yes, being an accountant. Yes, yes, yes. You can I'll do be... podcasting on the side as your uh, <laughs> side hustle. Hey, but, but that's, I think, the reality of where we're at. Like, I mean, that's what, three, four, four to one ratio? Yeah. So comment here from username Country Matt in the chat. Hey, Blake and David, I'm about to graduate with my undergrad, and I plan on working while obtaining my 150. Would you recommend community college or a one-year MBA? Appreciate any suggestions. Oh, that's a great question. And I would love for our listeners who have ideas for uh, Matt to also put those in the chat. I'll go ahead and toss out an idea. Just based on my own experience, Matt, I did not do the master's. I am a career changer. I got a bachelor's of music, the most practical degree you could possibly get, right? Well, it's actually more practical than like than some degrees, I suppose. But uh, I, I changed careers and I decided to get into accounting, bookkeeping, become a CPA. I looked at doing a master's at Cal State Northridge when I was living in LA, but at the time it would have been pretty expensive, relatively expensive, and um, I, it would have been hard to work. And it, the class schedules were not flexible. I couldn't do them at night necessarily. Like it was a hassle. And so I decided not to do the master's. And I said, I'm just going to go look at the requirements for the CPA and get all of my requirements done that I didn't get in my undergrad at Santa Monica College, which is an excellent community college. It has online classes, or I'll do it at UCLA Extension. So I did pretty much all my classes at Santa Monica College, UCLA Extension, or um, Pierce College, which is another community college in the, in the system. And that ended up costing me like $10,000 over the course of years. And I, I did it at my own pace. And I sat for the CPA exam, got my license eventually. And I think that gives you flexibility. That's one option. I, I suggest that he reaches out to uh, Susan Coffey at the ACPA and say that he wants to be part of this pilot in the fall of 2023. 
So you'll get hired at a firm and then be able to take these leadership and communication and biz dev analytics classes and get your 30 hours knocked out that way. Like, go 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 see if this pilot really exists. That, that's actually would be better. You could be like a on-the-beat reporter for the Cloud Accounting Podcast. You could go down this this pilot and, and you take can, it. You can report on it. Let us know how it goes. Where do we go from here, David? I don't know. It just feels like, I think in general, just closing on this, it just feels very tops down. I tweeted about it. It's got 15,000 views. It's got 3,000 more where we're sitting here, right? It just keeps going, right? There's a conversation happening. And obviously, people are in the comments and there's conversations happening. And the ICPA, it's just one direction. It doesn't feel like there's a, a big conversation. And, and actually, somebody, though, did ask a question in the town hall. I thought I had typed it in here. Let's see. While David finds that, I just want to say, again, if anyone from AICP is listening, we would love to have you on the program and get your perspective. I really want answers to these questions. Like, What research has been done to actually validate that this is going to make the CPA pathway more appealing to students? Is there any evidence that this is going to work? Because the problem is extremely dire. And I don't think anybody has quantified the impact. So like, we actually need to, as accountants, look at the numbers. And to me, this is all very amorphous. There's, there's, the plan is not a plan unless there's a forecast. You know, AICPA is all about pivoting to advisory services when it comes to public accounting, and that involves creating forecasts and budgets and projections and financial models. Well, let's model this out. How do we solve this problem? I mean, it's getting worse every year. I think we need drastic changes, not just small little ones, like the changes to the CPA exam, which, um, as far as I know, I mean, we, David, we were just talking with those professors from Utah Valley University. Yeah. The other week, they came to your house and sat with us and asked us, what do we think should be in their new curriculum? They're creating a new class. And it was such a great conversation. We talked about creating an applied accounting course where students would actually learn how to do work in the real world in simulations while they are in school. And I forgot where I was going with that. Where was well, it's I going like a with practical that, small business class, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just practical experience in school, getting that experience. Um, hey, we have a response for uh, Matt here from Jennifer Johnson, a professor at uh, University of Texas. An MBA is great after you have had some work experience. It is valued in consulting roles and CEO roles. Be sure to check your state's requirements to sure they follow, uh, be sure they allow community college hours. And that's important. I didn't realize this, but some states are so elitist that they do not allow community college hours for the CPA. Texas is one of them. Once you have an undergraduate degree, you can't go backwards and get community college credits to sit for the CPA exam. I just don't understand that. What, is community college lesser than university? I took classes at Santa Monica College that were better than the ones at UCLA. You know, I, I just feel like that's just totally out of touch. That's the... It's the game we're in. Christopher says, just one more piece of advice for Matt. Uh, Christopher says, it might be helpful to connect with hiring managers at firms you're looking to work for, whether through other connections or cold calls. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, right? Figure out what you're going to do based on what they are looking for. That that actually makes the most sense. If you want to get a job, right? That's the objective. Jennifer, say, uh, responding to the community college thing, you can get community college hours in Texas. They just have certain schools to take them from. Oh, okay. So the school has to be approved in order for you to get credit. So Thank somebody you. asked specifically during the town hall, why do we need the 150 hours? And it was answered with education, examination, experience. We think 150 hours is important, but they never really say why. It's because we are a profession and professions have rigorous education requirements. That's always sort of the answer. And it's a non-answer. 
And then the only other thing comment is on Twitter, somebody pointed out that it's kind of funny that all the people that got to become CPAs in the 120-hour days are the sticklers to people doing 150 hours now. I just thought that was an interesting observation. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, that changed in, I forget when that changed, but most CPAs who are licensed right now didn't have to get the 150. <laughs> so, like, that, that's my question is, oh, so if the 100, does the 150 hours make you a better CPA? Because then we should let the people who got the 150 hours decide whether or not that's necessary for everybody going forward. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Relay. Between Blake and myself, we now have three, four, or maybe five business entities, 20 or so checking accounts, and dozens and dozens of virtual cards. It would be impossible to manage all of this if we weren't using Relay as our small business bank. Relay is truly a part of the tech stack we use to run our businesses. Relay allows Blake and I to each have our own logins, we can grant access to our team, and even our accountant without sharing passwords or two-factor authentication codes. Relay allows us to grow and scale our banking needs without ever going into a physical branch. I recently added an account to receive inbound merchant services with just a few clicks. And I had to create a payroll checking account. Again, just a few clicks, and I instantly had access to my ACH info to give to my payroll provider. With Relay's virtual cards, we can issue debit cards to our team around the world for needed business expenses. I can instantly spin up a new Visa debit card and set both daily and monthly spending limits. And when a team member doesn't need their card, I can freeze it until they need to use it again. To learn more about using Relay in your firm and with your clients, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash Relay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash R-E-L-A-Y. Ready so to move on? Let's talk about tech, there, right? There's other AICPA stuff, but... Uh, no, you know, I'm done with this. I'm jumping in the news, news, news. I, I, basically, my feeling is unless the AICPA is going to engage on this issue and, and talk to us and have a conversation, I'm kind of done with them. You know, like, what's going to happen to the CPA? Basically, unless we do something drastic, which seems like there's, there's zero chance of that right now with the attitude there, is uh, we're going to continue this long slide where CPAs become a smaller and smaller percentage of hires at CPA firms. And the CPA, which is currently this very broad license, will become more niche, and it will basically be an, an, an auditing thing. And more and more tax firms won't be CPA firms. More and more consulting firms won't be doing the CPA stuff. It just doesn't make sense. And so it'll it'll just gradually slide into becoming um, less of a must-have and more of a nice-to-have. If it makes you feel any better, it's not just us that we can't get real comments from. So uh, Accounting Today I had an article it was called Passing or Failing. Pass rates for CPA exam fell in 2022. Mm-hmm. And basically, this is a, according to the National Association of State Boards of Accountancy's latest report, 191,000 candidates took the CPA exam in 2022, which is a 25% drop since 2018. But then the very last sentence in the whole entire article was, the AICPA had no immediate comment. <laughs> That's where we're at, folks. That's where we're at. David, you pointed me to this article in the Wall Street Journal. How can we make accounting cool? For our listeners on the live stream, you get to see this awesome graphic of a uh, CPA with tattoos and a mohawk and an earring wearing his uh, thick black glasses and uh, punching numbers into a 10 key calculator. So <laughs> well, tell us, how do you make accounting cool? Well, so Joe Queenan He says, one, American firms must raise salaries to make the accounting profession more appealing. And two, the accounting profession must take steps to make itself seem more glamorous and appealing. Testimonials from flashy, exciting practitioners of the trade would help. 
But like, I don't think number two is going to help unless number one happens. He says that such people do exist, though. He says, quote, my best friend is a retired auditor who plays lead guitar in a psychedelic rock band that has flourished since 1966. He is not boring. Another accounting friend took up ice hockey in his 40s and played the thrilling and physically challenging sport well into his 50s. My wife, a chartered accountant from England, long ago fled lugubrious, predictable Birmingham and took a job writing continuing educational video scripts for the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants in New York. None of that gets a high school kid interested. (laughs) What you need is accountants that are two, three years in the job and be like, look at this Lamborghini I bought. And they're sitting on the hood and they're streaming it on TikTok. And that will get account high school kids like, I want to be an accountant. I want a Lamborghini. Like it has like... Like, you can't tell them about a 40-year-old that plays hockey. Like, I know. Like, I'm right? that guy. I'm that guy. Like, that's not going to get somebody to become an account. Like, that's yeah. that's why it's tone deaf. It's out of touch. So, so, so Blake, let's, let, let's just throw this out there. If it was you and you were making your eight-point slide on how to save this. What would I do? You don't have to answer it right now. But, like, is it is it the business model? Is it lack of diversity and equity? Is it the, the pay? Like, I think there's eight or nine things that have to be addressed. But, like... I'm not saying you have to make it, but it would be great to see Blake's eight-point plan. Well, (laughs) I I have an idea. I have one idea. I don't know if this is the one that will stick, but I think it would help. So we know that the biggest problem is the experience in big firms. Accounting students look on Reddit. They look on Twitter. They look on TikTok, and they see what it's like to work at the big four, at the big firms, as a staff auditor, staff tax accountant, and it sucks. And so what the ASCPA can do is actually hold big firms accountable for creating a better experience for their staff, not working them 60 to 80 hours, giving them time to study for the exams. That would be one way the uh, the AICPA could help. And I was talking uh, with Chase Berkey uh, of Dark Horse CPAs for my Earmark podcast we just recorded this week. And he said, why doesn't the AICPA create a certification for firms for work-life balance, for creating that good positive experience. And then firms would apply for this and they'd have to get audited. And the ASCP would check on like, are you overworking the staff? They'd survey the staff and, and find out like, are you getting time to study? Like all those quality of life things. And firms could have this badge and they could use it as a recruiting tool. And I that's think it would- really interesting because that's something you think about this eight point plan to do something quickly. You could spin that up in eight months. Oh yeah. And guess what? Uh, it's a money maker. <laughs> It's, it's almost like how the schools have those A-plus ratings and schools are A-plus, B-plus, C-plus. Firms yeah. could have those those ratings. And and to be an AICPA member it's firm- It's like SOC compliance, right? Like yeah. You have to get this. Exactly. It's a badge, right? It's a, it's a, it's, it's, and to be an AICPA member firm, you would have to adhere to these standards. And that would gradually improve the reputation of the profession when it comes to these students. That's genius. Yeah. And you're right. And then the, the AICPA has vested interest because this is something they can charge for. Yeah, they can charge for it. Uh, <laughs> the, the money they, machine keeps going. And, and, and everybody wins. Uh, so like that's what they should do. But there's a reason that they probably won't, which is that the AICPA is funded primarily by big firms that don't want to do these things. Where do the member dues come from? It's big firms who pay the fees on behalf of their CPAs. So if I work at Deloitte as a CPA, I don't pay my own AICPA membership. The firm pays it for me. So who does the firm or who does the AICPA listen to? the managing partner at Deloitte, not the CPAs working there, and definitely not the accountants who are future CPAs, because where does the money come from, right? You got to follow the money. So uh, until the managing partners of these firms decide that this is something that they need to do, it's not going to happen. 
because of that. That's my theory. And it makes you wonder, like, the size of the AICPA. If, if every individual had to write that check themselves, their membership fee, mm-hmm. how big would the AICPA actually be? Uh, yeah. How many fees are paid by individuals versus by the firm? Because if, you, if, if, yeah. if you're just like, I don't care if I'm in the AICPA or not, but firm's paying for it, like, whatever, right? Yeah. Versus members that pay because they want to be members. I wonder what the... And I think this is the problem with like the the ASCP has lost sight of its mission, which is to serve the accounting profession broadly, not just the managing partners of large firms, which is what it seems like they're doing because they aren't addressing the core issues, which is, you know, salaries, right? The firms don't want to raise salaries or the big firms don't anyway. Nobody wants to raise salaries, but if you all did it together, then nobody's at a disadvantage. Do you you want want to stay on the uh, we're doomed pipeline? There was uh, information about the IRS. (laughs) Sure, let's talk about tax season. Right now it's tax time. But it's not even tax season. So this is a report from the Government Accounting Office. And apparently the IRS, uh, they basically suspended their initiatives to replace some of their six-year-old computer systems. So what happened is, according to the officials that are in this report, they had to shift resources to higher priorities. And so they just suspended these. What did they suspend? now. Uh, the actual replacement of the 60-year-old individual master tax file system. Oh, no. This is like the thing that they need to do. This is like the one thing <laughs> that they really, really need to <laughs> They've do. They've been working on it for a decade, and they're just like, sorry, we got to have you come over here and answer phone calls. <laughs> Who knows? But they shifted them to somewhere else. Nobody lost their jobs. But that's – so now they don't know when it's going to get worked on. Um, so, they were I mean, trying to get it done by 2030. These are those systems that are like running on COBOL or something like that. I mean, we're talking like yeah. mainframe style computing systems for the. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And then they have some other numbers that are a little scary. So 33% of the applications they used, 23% of the software instances in use, and 8% of the hardware assets are considered to be legacy systems. And they range from age 25 to 64 years. Wow. I mean, what happens when the people who know how these systems work retire? I mean, the IRS could crash. I've been basically again. This goes to that Southwest thing, right? And then the FAA. Like, this is scary. Yeah, I think. Well, so uh, I have an idea for how to modernize the IRS and actually like overcome some of these issues. Um, I was really inspired by the story of FreshBooks and how they replatformed and. Anyone in tech should know this story. So FreshBooks has been around for decades. Yep. And at a certain point in every software company's life cycle, it accumulates so much technical debt that you almost have to start over from scratch and build again. And a lot of times they do it from inside and it just takes forever and it almost never happens, right? And you see that with a lot of companies where they, like, they've been around for 20 years, it still looks 20 years old and there's a reason for that. And FreshBooks took an interesting approach where Uh, They took the best people at FreshBooks and they created a new company with a totally different name that was secretly building FreshBooks 2.0, called it something else, put it out in the market. And then when it got good enough, they rebranded it as FreshBooks and ported everybody over to the new FreshBooks. So it's starting a new company, recreating the functionality and adding the new functionality that you need, and then moving people over. What if the IRS did that with the $80 billion? Is actually create IRS 2.0 and allow taxpayers to opt into it for a beta set of years. And then once it gets good enough, this is the paperless IRS, by the way, right? You can't file paper with this IRS. And then once it gets good enough, enough people will opt into it. You can shut down the old one. 
Yeah, and they don't have options. Like, like even like big tech and tech companies, and I, and I have those other stories like this where you have to divide and conquer to to migrate your company. But tech also has that ability just to acquire right a company that already solved the problem. There's no mini IRS startup where they actually can just buy them and then roll that over. They're going to have to build it from scratch, right? Because the migration just seems crazy. And then and I think we've talked about on the show like Canada's payroll system, the you know, state of California, is re- they've been on a 15-year run trying to replace their whole entire accounting system, and these failures just keep yeah. happening. And, and the crazy thing is, you know who's usually advising all these transitions? It's one of the big four. Oh, yeah. Turn off, helping them on this transition, which is just even more crazy. And they're billing hourly, so they've got no reason to make it actually ever end, <laughs> right? Oh, man. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by First Republic Bank. Banking should be about more than checking and savings. It should also be about building relationships, the kind where you can share your financial goals and get the services that are right for you. With First Republic, everyone gets a personal banker who will sit down and learn about you and your goals. You're then connected with specialists and solutions you may not have considered. Isn't it time you align yourself with a bank that believes in you and your future success? First Republic is ready to be your financial partner for life. To learn more about First Republic's extraordinary service, visit firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. What else do you got? Well, you know, do you remember that uh, Republican plan to abolish the IRS, the bill in the Congress right now? You know what I'm talking about, David? There was a story in uh, CPA Practice Advisor. I mean, this went all over the place. Biden vows to veto GOP plan to abolish the IRS. So the, the House Republicans, uh, and I'm a Republican, David. Oh, we can but, trick them, though. I got an idea. What? Tell them we are going to abolish the IRS, but don't tell them you're building IRS 2.0. <laughs> That's a good trick. So, <laughs> and tell them it's going to cost $80 billion to dissolve the old IRS. And they have no idea. So the House Republicans have put forth a bill that would do away with the IRS entirely and the current tax system and replace it with a flat consumer tax. And of course, the president has vowed to veto this. And it just strikes me as like the totally idiotic thing to put forward because it's just completely not ever going to happen. That's one thing, like politically pointless to do this. It's sort of like when the Republicans were just putting forward bills to like end Obamacare with no replacement, right? It's it's just not going to happen. And we all know it. So, uh, and then, and then the, the part that's crazy is... They want to replace it with this 30% sales tax. But re- Republicans were saying, oh, it's not actually a 30% sales tax because if you if you calculate it as tax inclusive, it's actually a 23% sales tax. And anytime in something political, you have to get into that level of like tax exclusive or tax inclusive, you're going to confuse everybody and it's going to fail, right? Like Because what happens is people look at this and they say 30% sales tax. I don't pay 30% taxes. No way. And that's like most of America. It's just, it's just, right? It's, it's, it's just dumb. Uh, the next episode of the um, Federal Tax Updates podcast, which should drop on Monday morning, they get into these reasons and how every tax decision, either deduction or credit, is weighted and the impact on a dollar. And when these things like this come up, it has to go back to a budget. Well, if we do that, that's going to 
cost this much or not cost this much in the budget. So, I mean, something else has to be touched. And so they do a good job. Uh, Roger and Andy did a good job of explaining that. So it's but it's related to this. You just can't politicians throw out these numbers, cut this, change this. But it can't really happen because there's lots of math happening on the back end. So, yeah, tune into that episode Monday morning, the Federal Tax Updates podcast. They're going to they really address that kind of the, the mindset of these decisions, why they exist. Federal Tax Updates Dot com Awesome show. Yep. I'm so happy to be producing that with you, David. Here's a story. Uh, have you heard about this Adani short Can seller? Can you spell report? that? What that mean? A-D-A-N-I, this uh, firm in India that has been no, all over not. the news. So uh, actually, I want to put up the going concern version of this story. So basically, Hindenburg Research, which is a short seller that uh, got famous because they put out uh, that report on Tesla, they've put out reports on other companies, and some have been accurate. What, 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 what name? Hindenburg, <laughs> what yeah, it's do. great, right? Yeah. Um, it's perfect. Well, so they put out a recent report uh, on January 24th. They dropped a report called Adani Group, How the World's Third Richest Man is Pulling the Largest Con in Corporate History, and basically called Indian conglomerate Adani Group a fraud, massive fraud. Uh, and... Of course, the stock plummeted is since I think recovered a little bit, but like creating a lot of questions, right? And um, how does this relate to accounting? Well, obviously, if it's a massive fraud, you wonder, okay, where were the auditors, right? And there's some facts in this report that are very troubling to me as a CPA. And Going Concern covered this in a story called If You Let 23-Year-Olds Sign Off on Audits, You're Gonna Have a Bad Time. Apparently, the independent auditor for Adani Enterprises and Adani Total Gas is a tiny firm called Shah Dandharia. Shah Dandharia seems to have no current website. Historical archives of its website show that it had only four partners and 11 employees. Records show it pays the equivalent of 432 US dollars uh, in monthly office rent. The only other listed entity found that it audits has a market capitalization of about 7.8 million US dollars. So Adani Enterprises... So, so they have two clients, basically. Yeah, and Adani Enterprises has 156 subsidiaries. And their seven key listed entities collectively have 578 subsidiaries and have engaged in a total of 6,025 separate related party transactions in fiscal year 2022 alone. And so there's this firm that has, you know, four partners and 11 employees auditing them. And the audit partners are as young as 24 and 23 years old. When they, that, when they began producing the audits. They were basically fresh out of school. So if you're asking me now, based on this information, if this is true from Hindenburg, is Adani a fraud? Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> Look, this is great. So here's a picture of the office. It's like... Uh, is it two computers and four people? <laughs> it looks like three computers and four people. And they've got the, they've got the calculators there. I mean, it's just... This looks like a small CPA firm. Look at the look at the door to their office, right? They've got like the sign is just printed out poster board. Um, so was this implying that this firm was just spun up by this company, kind of, or? Well, maybe it's like Tether, where they just go out and they find a small firm that's willing to take money to sign off on these reports. Well, it's funny that you just said that because Tether had an article about their latest acetation report. Oh, yeah. Well, Tether. Okay. Tell me about it. Uh, they apparently now show 960 excess reserves, right? They, uh, and they said that's been completed by public accounting firm BDO. Italia, right? 
Yes. And all I, I, as soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, I'm going to their website. I bet you the BDO logo is everywhere. <laughs> so if you click on that page. All right. Let me get this open here. And so the story isn't that so much about the report. It's really just like, here we go again, right? This uh, They have a whole transparency page. And on this page, if you go to the reports part. Okay. Reports and reserves, independent accountant report. And for most people, they're not going to click and read these. They're just going to see the logo. Yeah. And, and it's again, it's exploitation of accounting firms. Well, and yeah, this used to be a different firm. And these are attestation reports. So they're just agreed upon procedures agreements. And I think like if you go into these reports, they're really, they're really difficult to read. It doesn't provide, I can't find it in this PDF right now. But if you read these reports, they actually don't provide any assurance. And it's hard but to know the exactly. there, right? Like, yeah. And that's the, like their press release doesn't say it's BDO Italia. They just say it's BDO, right? It, 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 they, they, everything gets elevated of how great they are, right? Yeah. The reporting date is limited to a point in time of 31 December 2022. We did not perform procedures or provide any assurance at any other date or time in this report. So it's literally just one snapshot in time. Tether could be doing and Tether is a massive stablecoin that underpins the entire crypto economy for anyone who is new to it. Yeah, we're talking um, like $66 billion yeah, it's, of tokens It's or one of the biggest right? banks like, This is massive. In the world. Like, yeah. like, to to look at it for one day and create a position seems a little crazy. Yeah, when it is crazy. Obviously, it's complicated. The, the problem with these attestation reports is that they might have verified the assets, but they don't verify the liabilities. If you don't know what the liabilities are, it doesn't matter what the assets are. What matters is the net position of this exchange or of this of this stablecoin, and we know they're making loans. No, it's just that, it's the example is here again, right? Yeah. It's crypto companies like this are exploiting the big firm, or they're exploiting firms because it's the lo- the logo of your firm is super valuable. Mm-hmm. Not not the work you've done for the firm or for the company. They just want their, your logo. We got some listener mail, David. I want to make sure we get to it before. Totally jump in. Okay, so we got a voicemail from Nicole McKenzie. Everybody's been very, very This is Nicole McKenzie, owner of Momentum County, and occasional co-host on the Accounting High podcast. I am calling them because I have a special announcement. I want to announce that Accounting High is having their first ever Accounting Bracket Challenge. So think Mark Madness style bracket, uh, except you get the chance to vote for your favorite accounting, we'll call it partner community. So it could be your favorite accounting podcast, your favorite app that you like to use, a community, uh, you have a website where you like to read your accounting blog, you can see that. Anything you can think of that makes your life better in the accounting community, you can nominate. So go to bracket.accountinghigh.com. You get up to five nominations. So the nominations will um, can be anything, and then we'll take the top 64, and that will start the, the bracket. So, um, yes, and there'll also be prizes, lots of prizes, including possibly a trip to Hawaii, uh, depending on how many people submit their nominations, and you get points for, for nominations. And so anyway, uh, and, and so I'll vote for Cloud Accounting Podcast as well. So head on over there, and I really hope you get to vote. Okay, thanks. Bye. So head over to bracket.accountinghigh.com and vote to nominate the Cloud Accounting Podcast. 
And uh, do we get to go Matt, to Hawaii if we, if we win? With a, well, with it's possible. It's possibly a trip to Hawaii. So I guess yeah. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Are we allowed to vote ourselves? Like, how does this work? I nominated us. Why not? Yeah, man. Like, I believe in the podcast. Uh, Matt sure. said in the chat, Chat GPT versus Cap in the finals. Oh, that would be tough for us. But uh, I would be happy to go up against Chat GPT. Uh, it's this. easy. We just ask them who hosts the Cloud Accounting podcast, and Chat GPT will fail, and it's like. <laughs> We win. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you like non-traditional accounting podcasts, go check out Accounting High, hosted by Scott Scarano and uh, Nicole McKenzie. Uh, I laughed out loud at the recent episode. It's it's a lot of fun. David, what do you got? Did you say you had multiple voicemails? Well, I have some um, emails. I do. Right. I, I have emails. Let's see. I have comments. Maybe while you're getting those, those stacked up uh, there, I'm going to paste one more link so you can show a photo here. Okay. Um, of a LinkedIn post. Photo of a LinkedIn post. Okay. Okay. Hopefully the link looks really crazy. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. It. I'm so glad you brought this to yeah. the show. Okay. So, so uh, a listener uh, sent me this, and I'm going to go to my direct messages and get his name. Oh, uh, David Johnson. So David Johnson is a senior consultant at Exponential Consulting. So he sent this, this link to this tweet, or uh, I'm sorry, tweet, LinkedIn post. And I, as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, this is going on the show. And then I reshared it because I do think it kind of won the internet this week. And essentially, for those of you who can't see this right now, and maybe it'll be the uh, cover art, this company, Delaware Valley Paving, they've been on QuickBooks for years and years and years, and they've migrated to NetSuite. But what they did is they had a whole funeral, and they built a headstone <laughs> that said QuickBooks, RIP. 2005 to 2023. So, they, you know, they grew, which is great, right? Like, uh, And they took you know, a every picture. Every quarter, so many businesses graduate out of QuickBook, but they have a whole funeral. It's in, it's gotten tons of views and tons of comments. It's great. They, they actually stood outside. This is like a dozen people standing outside grieving over a headstone for QuickBooks. And, uh, oh, man, that is really funny. How many views did it get? I can't uh, see. I think I'm at 24,000. Nice. And that's just it's, on your reshare. I mean, that's just on my my, re, my me saying it wins the <laughs> internet this week. Uh, it, well, it's funny. Some of the comments were all over the board, but some people were like, "Yeah, like you know, wait till they find out how much they're really paying for NetSuite." <laughs> like, oh, but you know, you're going to eventually grow to a point that's great, right? I mean, they were a great QuickBooks customer for what's that? Almost 20 years, and they've grown to the point where it's time to move on, which is great. Yeah. I mean, that I, in a way, like Quick QuickBooks should celebrate these stories, right? If, if somebody pays QuickBooks to be on them for 20 years and grows big enough to get off of QuickBooks, that's a success, you know? We had a comment on our YouTube video from an old episode. The episode is Why Accountants Don't Become CPAs. WZ88 said, I was one of those people who wanted a CPA, but I didn't have time to study. I was a tax accountant, and the busy season slash fiscal year filers took so much of my time. What broke me was TCJA that increased my workload 5x. I felt like seven months out of the year were 10 plus hours billable. I worked in public accounting for four years and just burned out. I switched my career into IT, and now I am a software engineer. The hours are much better, and the pay, I would say, is on par or even better. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's it it's it's the same theme we keep hearing keep hearing from people in the field, if you want to call it that, right? People mm-hmm. that are out there living this life as accountants and bookkeepers. It's the same story. Yep. Um, let's see any other big interesting news that I see this week. I got more listener feedback here. Yeah, just keep going. I'll just keep going. Uh, Lilman Yellow said, 
They made it so that we had to take 150 credit hours to sit for the CPA exams when before it was 120, which basically added 40K in student loan debt. Also, there is an immense amount of offshoring to India going on, which is creating a decrease in learning experience for Americans and a decrease in support. Accounting overall is not as appealing as it once was, and it can be quite lonely when everyone else on your team is in another country. It makes it harder to learn valuable accounting and management skills when you're uh, when you can't understand half of what your coworkers are saying, and they are only available a couple hours of your time. And the main reason all this goes on is because the rich want to get richer at the expense of the middle and lower class. David Johnson said, Blake, hope you are doing well. I just wanted to write you a quick note. I was taking my kids 11 and 14 skiing a few weeks ago. The closest ski slope is about 1.5 hours away. I got in the car and Spotify started with the last thing I had been listening to, the Cloud Accounting Podcast. My kids are pretty quick to toss on headphones, so let it play and figured I could pick up the CPE on earmark later. About an hour into the drive, you or David made a funny comment. My son Cole, the 11-year-old, pipes up from the back seat that he wouldn't think a podcast about accounting could be as enjoyable as this was. And these guys are actually pretty funny. He spent most of the three hours we were in the car that day on the trip up and back listening to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Based on his feedback, I don't think he is going on to be a CPA, but I have a sneaking suspicion he is going to be expanding his use of ChatGPT in his schoolwork based on the bit you all did about ChatGPT and Jasper. I'm very supportive of using technology to eliminate work that can be completed by a bot, so no objection on my part with him expanding his use of tech. And did you say Cole was 11 years old? 11 years old. All right, Cole, and, hope you're listening now and you other 11-year-olds that are out there. When you graduate high school, graduate college, and you graduate with your accounting degree and you go to work as a CPA, I heard starting salaries are going to be $250,000 a year. That's what I've heard. So don't, don't, don't think of all this doom and gloom. Like There's hope for you because there's going to be so little amount of CPAs oh, yeah. that you can name whatever price you want. It's... And that's the thing. I always have to say this for our listeners. I am extremely bullish on being an accountant. And I think it's great to get the CPA if you can make it happen from a financial and time standpoint. It's fantastic. It's totally worth it. You know, I'm critical of the way that our profession is responding to the talent shortage by not, you know, acting drastically enough to open it up to more people because that's what we, we really need more people. But you know, the, short, the shortage actually is great for individuals. And you have unlimited opportunity as an individual accountant. It's just like our, our profession is suffering because if you're a firm owner, you can't recruit anybody, <laughs> you know. Um, and clients ultimately suffer. At, at the end, yeah. clients suffer. Small business owners can't get the, the help they need. Small businesses go under. Like, it's, this is a major cog in the economic prosperity of the United States. And you brought this mm-hmm. up two years ago. Like, like accounting really could be the collapse of the whole economy of the country. David ended with his email by saying, in any event, this is all to say that though you would, that I thought you would appreciate that the Cloud Accounting Podcast isn't just for accountants. Awesome. Thank you so much. That makes my day. It really does. We should end on that note. Okay, let's do it. The future's good. David, if people want to track you down online, let you know what they think, where can they do that? I'm at David Lira and all the socials. And I am at Blake T. Oliver. Uh, Catch up with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. I love to be there. I'm also on Instagram. You can see a little bit more of my personal life. I like to go hiking, and I like to sit outside in Arizona. Uh, so trying to get in shape. I want to do a 25-mile hike before it gets too hot. 
Well, we have to get in shape. Here's why, Blake. Why? Because we're going to be going to Expensicon. Expensicon. How do we, we shape. save we have to that be in to the Italian, end? Italian bathing suit shape for Expensicon. Yes, we have been. We have received our official invite to Expensicon in Puglia, Italy. And David, who is the featured keynote speaker at Expensicon? The featured keynote speaker is George Clooney. George and we're gonna, Clooney. What we're going to do is he's, we're going to make him do a video that says, "Hey, kids, accounting is cool." But he might already be too old. Like, my kids don't even know who he is. Like, I don't know if it's going to help. We need somebody younger, younger to say this. Maybe we can get him to do the intro to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, you know? That that would be... Or or if we can't get him, we should at least get David Barrett to do it. Well, I'll just find out from his PR what size shirt he needs, and we'll at least get him in a shirt. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Check us out here uh, every week on YouTube Live. Subscribe to YouTube and uh, click on Notify on our live stream so you get notified when we go live and it was great chatting with you all thank you so much for joining us Christopher, Matt, Michael, Jep, uh, Trinity, Jennifer, uh, everyone who commented really great to have you here. Time for the classifieds. Client Hub automatically sends your clients a task for each expense or deposit marked as uncategorized in QuickBooks. Your team will save hours of time and the best part that it's free. Introducing the free Client Hub recategorized plan. Client Hub is bringing the freemium business model to accounting apps. They are so confident that you, your team, and your clients will love the free recategorized plan that will lead you to implement all the features of the award-winning Client Hub into your firm's workflows and communications. Using Client Hub in your workflow is a guaranteed ROI, especially since it is free. To schedule your demo, go to clienthub.app. That's clienthub.app. Check out Hector Garcia's new app called Right Tool for QuickBooks Online. Instantly increase your productivity with keyboard shortcuts and more. It will save you seconds. The app is free and offers a pro version with additional batching tools. Check them out at righttool.app. That's righttool.app. R-I-G-H-T-T-O-O-L dot app. On the Cloud Accounting Podcast, Blake and I discuss the top accounting, bookkeeping, and tax news stories each week. But for years, we've always felt like there were so many federal tax-related updates, changes, and news that we couldn't possibly ever talk about all of them on our podcast. Not to mention, we probably lacked the knowledge to go into the weeds about tax code and how it affects your clients. The hosts Roger Harris and Annie Schwab together have over 75 years of tax experience helping both individuals and small business owners navigate the complexities of the current tax law. Their expertise has been published in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, The Morning Business Report, Bloomberg Business News, and Accounting Today, and even as it led to offering testimony before Congress on small business tax legislation. Listening to this podcast will save you time from scouring and digesting scores of blog sites or IRS news feeds, while keeping you up to date on the latest federal tax information needed to run your tax practice and best serve your clients. And to save you even more time, CPAs and EAs can earn CPE and CE credits for listening to this podcast. And don't worry, they're both fully NASBA and IRS approved. Be sure to subscribe or follow the Federal Tax Updates podcast in your favorite podcast player today or head to federaltaxupdates.com. That's federaltaxupdates.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.